Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Uh, thanks for coming. I am glad you're here. I welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online. I welcome. Okay, this is the final message of our four-part series we've been calling simply, This is My Church. This is My Church. The whole series uh, is based on two premises, premise, premises, premi, I don't, I'm not sure. First premise is this, you're going to be different by the end of this year than you are right now. Right? You will not be the same. At the end of this year, you will either be closer to God or further away from God. You will either be more like Jesus or less like Jesus. Whenever I officiate a wedding, I try to remember to tell the couple Marriages are either spiraling up or they're spiraling down. They do not stay in a holding pattern for very long. And you spiral up an inch at a time, but you can spiral down in a heartbeat. You can free fall down, but you can't free fall up. The same is true with your relationship with God. But the first premise is this. You will be different by the end of this year. The second premise is that God created this thing he calls the church. And when God says this is the church, he doesn't mean it's a place to come uh, to worship once a week. He says that this is a, a group of people that is so interconnected that we are like a body, that we are wildly complex and integrated, so much so that what happens to you impacts me, what happens to me impacts you. If I take this hammer and I hit my hand, ah! Oh, I'm not that committed to, <laughs> like, but if I did, right, if I hit my finger, you know what my toes would be thinking about? My finger. Every part of my body would be thinking about my finger. That's the way the body is supposed to be. Now, if this premise is true, that we are so connected that we need each other, that we are like a body, that means I need you if I'm going to become all that God wants me to be. And you need me and the people around you to become all that God wants you to be. So when I say I want 2023 to be the year that you say, this is my church. It's not just for you, it's for me. And it's not just for me, it's for you. All right. So we are looking at this passage in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If you want to use one of our Bibles, either here in the sanctuary or over in East Hall, it's on 
page 924. Uh, we are also going to put the words up on the screen. This passage, uh, Paul is, the Apostle Paul is praying a prayer for the church of Colossae. It's the prayer that I am praying for all of us, for you. All right, this is, let me read the passage again, and then I'll give you my three points. This is what it says. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, if you are going to be more like Jesus... Instead of less like Jesus, you're going to be closer to God instead of further away from God. By the end of the year, uh, Paul says to do three things. Fill up, walk with, be strong. Fill up, walk with, be strong. First, fill up. That's verse 9. He says, and so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I like that he said, be filled. He didn't say, take a bite. He didn't say, have a snack cake once a Sunday. He says, be filled with the knowledge of his will. You know, there is a ton of knowledge out there. Like you probably know an inordinate amount of information about something. Like we all know that Pastor Zach took up golf right? Because he talks about it, right? Two years ago, he didn't know anything about golf. Now he knows way too much, right? Because you know he talks about it because that's the way knowledge works. It fills you up and then it kind of spills out. I meet people who know an inordinate amount of information about all kinds of things, about hunting or fishing or gardening or cooking or the financial markets or politics or fantasy football, and the list just keeps going, Right? You know a lot about something. Why? Why do you know so much about what you know about? My daughter, Becca, didn't know anything about babies three years ago. Now she knows all about growth charts and uh, what you should feed your baby and sleeping patterns and all kinds of things. Why? Because 15 months ago, she had a baby, and that baby has stolen her heart. Right? Love. Paul says, listen, if you want to grow closer to God, if you want to be more like Jesus, fill yourself with the knowledge of him. Know everything there is that you can know about him. Know who he is, what he's done, what he wants, what he doesn't want, what he likes, what he doesn't like. Listen, I don't know if Jesus should be an acquired taste, but if he is, acquire it, right? Your spiritual health depends on it. You've heard the saying where somebody says, if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. Hear me on this. Hear me. I've known dozens of people who have neglected 
their spiritual health, and their life has imploded in less than a year. Right? He says, fill yourself with knowledge. But he actually says two things. He says, fill yourself with knowledge, and then he says, wisdom and insight. We provide all kinds of ways to, that you can know more about Jesus, know more of what he likes and doesn't like, what he wants, what he doesn't want. That's why we have circles, which is our version of like small groups. It's why we have podcasts. It's why we have Bible studies. It's why we have sermon archives, why we have books of the month, why we have theology classes. There are all kinds of ways here at CCC for you to grow in your knowledge Wisdom and insight is something else. That's taking your knowledge and applying it to your life so it actually changes your life. If a couple wants to get married here at CCC and they come and talk to us and we find out they're living together, we always ask them two questions. One, do you want to know what Jesus says about that? And then the second question is, do you care? Do you know, that's knowledge, do you care, that's wisdom, right? I was uh, sitting in a plane a few years ago, and I was on the aisle seat, and there was a woman who was one row ahead of me in the aisle seat across the aisle, and I could see what she was reading, and she was reading a fitness magazine. In fact, she had three fitness magazines, and she was a pretty large woman, right? So I was thinking to myself, good for you, good for you, right? Then she pulled out a family-sized bag of Cheetos, and she ate the entire bag while she read a, a magazine on fitness, right? That's, she might have been gaining in knowledge, probably not with wisdom, right? The first thing that Paul says is if you want to be closer to God and not farther away, you want to be more like Jesus, not less like him, then you have to grow. You have to fill yourself with knowledge and wisdom. Know everything you can about him. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, I call it walk with. I wanted to call this second point walk this way, but I didn't want Stevie Tyler's voice in your head. For those of you who are Aerosmith fans. Anyway, so this is what it says with uh, walk with. This is verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I like the metaphor of walking because it's, it's movement. That's why I keep saying that you're going to be different. You can't stay the same. You can't. You're going to be moving somewhere this year. You know, two weeks ago, I talked about a novel that I read called uh, What Alice Forgot. And it's about a woman who fell, hit her head, and she forgot 10 years of memory. And what happened when she woke up, she, because she didn't know what had happened in those last 10 years, she found that she was a way, way, way different person than she was, right, 10 years before. Now, you won't do that. You're moving incrementally. You're moving just a tiny bit. You'll move a tiny bit today. You'll move a tiny bit tomorrow. What Paul says is, walk with Jesus. You know, the disciples, I always think of this, the disciples actually were able to walk with Jesus physically. If, imagine if you were walking with Jesus physically, what would you do? 
You try to stick as close to him as possible. Right? When he would stop, you would stop. If he would look at something, you would look at that. Right? You would never in a million years say to Jesus, listen, Jesus, I'm heading this way. If you want to come, no, chop, chop, you come along. Right? You wouldn't do that. Right? And, and then when you were walking with Jesus, you'd be looking for any opportunity you could to maybe serve him, to do something for him. In the series, The Chosen, there's a scene where Jesus heals a leper. Very intense scene. Like a man who has leprosy comes toward Jesus. The disciples all take a step back. They're scared. They're yelling. And Jesus walks toward this man who is a leper. And he kneels and he touches him and he heals him. And when Jesus stands him up, he looks at how tattered this guy's garment was. And he says, he didn't even look at his disciples. He just says, hey, does anyone have an extra tunic? Right? And every disciple grabs, tries to grab the tunic that they have. Now, they don't have a bunch of tunics. They have, each have one extra tunic. Each of them tries to grab it and hand it to Jesus. And you see Jesus' face, he, he smiles just a little bit. And he says, I just need one. I just need one. Why did they try? They were doing anything they could to please Jesus. It was almost like a, a race to bring a smile to his face. Here's a question. What do you do? What have you done that you think has made Jesus smile? What do you do now that can please him. I was reading uh, a book called Cast of Characters by Max Lucado, and I read this story, and it just, uh, it almost made me cry. This is what it says. Uh, this was the brainchild of a big-hearted football coach in Grapevine, Texas. Chris Hogan skippers the successful program of Faith Christian High School. He has 70 players, 11 coaches, quality equipment, and parents who care make banners, attend pep rallies, and wouldn't miss a game for their own funerals. They took their 7-2 record into a contest with Gainesville State School. Gainesville players, by contrast, wear seven-year-old shoulder pads and last decade's helmets and show up at each game wearing handcuffs. Their parents don't watch them play, but 12 uniformed officers do. That's because Gainesville is a maximum security correctional facility. The school doesn't have a stadium, cheerleading squad, or half a hope of winning. Gainesville was 0-8 going into the Grapevine game. They'd scored two touchdowns all year. The whole situation didn't seem fair, so Coach Hogan devised a plan. He asked the fans to step across the field and for one night only to cheer for the other side. More than 200 volunteered. They formed a 40-yard spirit line. They painted Go Tornadoes on a banner that the Gainesville squad could burst through. They sat on the Gainesville side of the stadium. They even learned the names of the Gainesville players so they could yell for individuals. The prisoners had heard people scream their names, but never like this. Gerald, a lineman who will serve three years, said, people are a little afraid of us when we come to the games. You can see it in their eyes. They're looking at us like we're criminals, but these people, they were yelling for us by our names. After the game, the teams gathered in the middle of the field to say a prayer. One of the incarcerated players asked to lead it. Coach Hogan agreed, not knowing what to expect. Lord, the boy said, I don't know how this happened, so I don't know how to say thank you. 
but I never would have known there were so many people in the world that cared about us. Grapevine fans weren't finished after the game. They waited beside the Gainesville bus to give each player a goodbye gift, burger, fries, candy, soda, a Bible, an encouraging letter, and a round of applause. As their prison bus left the parking lot, the players pressed stunned faces against the windows and wondered what had just hit them. Who do you think was smiling? Don't you think? You know, uh, every Monday, we have a meeting uh, as, with certain staff members to talk about uh, what happened Sunday. We have uh, people from our kids' ministry. We have our leaders from uh, guest services, from worship and production, from member engagement and all that. And we talk about what happened the day before. And a lot of times we talk about some of you. We talk about uh, the person that was walking by our ability inclusion classroom and realized they needed another buddy and just said, hey, I can do this. I'll help. We talk about the man who grabbed the shovel and began to shovel the sidewalk. We talk about the person who went out with an umbrella to help someone get in without getting wet. We talk about, so I still remember uh, a woman Several years ago, when we were trying to pay down the debt of this building, she came up to me and she gave me $1,000. And it was that she said, I've been saving this money all year for vacation. It's the one vacation she was going to go on. And she said, I want to give it to you to pay down the debt. It's a woman who paid some of the debt so that you could sit where you're sitting right now. Every time you obey Jesus, every time you serve him, you are moving close to him. You are bringing a smile to his face. You are, you are pleasing him. Paul calls it bearing fruit, right? What Paul says is, listen, if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to be closer to God by the end of this year, fill up. Know everything there is, but walk with him. Obey him. Serve him. Do something that will bring a smile to his face. Because when you please him, you are growing deeper. You are being deeper. And then finally, he says, be strong. It's verse 11. It says this. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. He says that you may be strengthened with all power, endurance, patience. Is that good news or bad news? If I say, listen, this is something I'm going to give you because you're going to need it this year. You're going to need strength. You're going to need endurance. And you're going to need patience. You'd be going, really? Right? What Paul is saying is that, listen, I'm not telling you what things are going to be like on the outside. I'm telling you what you can be like on the inside. No one knows what 2023 holds. You don't, and I don't. Paul is saying that, listen, no matter what is going to go on outside, this is what you can have inside. You can have power. You can have strength. You can have endurance. You can have patience. You can even have joy. You know, we've been looking at verses 9 through 14 
verses 15 through 17 are some of my favorite verses in all of the book of Colossians. Because Paul goes on a, on a riff about Jesus. And this is what he says, verses uh, 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. What Paul says is, oh, if you just knew Jesus, he talks about his majesty and his power and his authority and his beauty. And then he says at the end, he holds all things together. What Paul is saying is that if Jesus holds all things together, that means he can hold you together. What Paul is saying is that Jesus is king over all, right? And to the degree that you come under the kingship of Jesus is the degree that you will be held together by him no matter what goes on this year. Listen, you want to be strong. You want to have endurance and patience and joy this year. You can. And the question is how? And the answer is, fill up, walk with, be strong, and let's do that together. This is my church. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father in heaven, I thank you for every person here. There is not a single accident in this place. You have brought us together for a reason to be your body, and we are interdependent on each other to be all that you want us to be. This year, I pray that this year would be a year that every single person here, it's possible, it's possible that every single person here could end the year closer to you instead of further away. That we could all be more like Jesus instead of less like Jesus. I pray that you'd help us all to fill up, walk with, be strong this year for your glory and for the sake of Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.